Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here on the podcast, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, their state, the country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guest's favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. So excited to be back in the saddle here on Cause Pods, talking with a podcaster with a phenomenal cause, one that is close to her heart and close to her community. We are speaking with Effie Park. She is the creator of the Once Upon a Gene podcast. You can learn more about it at feparks.com slash podcast. And you can also learn more about it at ctnnb1, the number one dot org. Effie, thank you so much for joining us here on CausePods today. Matthew, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me here today. I'm really excited to talk to you. So first of all, because we are speaking in an acronym, CTNNB1, most folks are not going to have any idea what that means, including myself, as I was reading this before our interview. (laughs) Explain to us what CTNNB1 is and why this is your cause that you have created a podcast. And then we'll get into the podcast more specifically. Okay, yes. So CTNNB1 is actually just the name of a gene. My son, Ford, who's almost four years old, was born with... CTNNB1 syndrome. It either refers to the gene in a deletion form or a mutation form. It's something that happens randomly. It's not anything that is passed on to our children when they're born. And this particular gene is it has a lot of jobs. It's pretty important, unfortunately. It's responsible for producing a protein called beta-catenin, which is basically the blueprint for the creation of everything. It allows cell specialization division, growth, adhesion. It's kind of a way that the cells communicate to each other. So when something happens in this gene, it affects a myriad of things. So it has a pretty intense ripple effect throughout the system is what you're saying. Correct. So when did you first know that Ford was going to be having complications as a result of this? Was this pre-birth? But like, how soon did you know that this was something that you're going to be dealing with? So my husband and I definitely knew something wasn't quite right right away. Our son wouldn't eat. It would take hours to get a couple ounces down him. He didn't sleep. And I know every parent says that, but he didn't sleep. (laughs) He was actually starving. You know, he wasn't having bowel movements. Um, He seemed to be in pain constantly. And, you know, we just knew something was wrong and we kept taking him to the doctor and We kept kind of getting it brushed off like we were new parents and every kid cries and babies don't sleep. Um, But every kid poops, so that's just going to wreck the doctor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that would go for weeks. We knew something wasn't quite right, and we just kept taking him in until someone finally helped us, which then led eventually to us getting a genetic test for the entire family. It's something called a whole exome sequencing test where they take blood from all of us. And they map it all out and they try to find what's missing or what's added. And we got a diagnosis for him when he was about 16 months old. 16 months was how long it took until 
I mean, like you said, almost right away. Yeah. And that's actually one of the faster stories. Sometimes people never get it. And sometimes people don't get offered that test until like the kid is 10 years old. So we were pretty lucky that we had eventually found someone who would listen to us and who agreed that further testing was needed because there was definitely something going on with our son. I'm curious because of the affiliation, the association, we'll get into a little bit more about that, but because of your what you know about CTN and B1, do most kids have the same reaction or the way you were describing it, like this could affect kids in a lot of different ways. So is it hard to pinpoint that it's always this in particular gene concern? So depending on where exactly the gene has a mutation or a deletion depends on kind of what happens to the child. So there's a big spectrum in almost every kind of genetic mutation of ones who will be affected more so in this area and less in this area or all of them. So unfortunately, there isn't like a, oh, that's definitely this one because they can be so far from each other. My son in particular is definitely affected more heavily on the physical and motor sides than a lot of the other kids are. Some kids can walk. Some kids can do several other things that other kids can't. There is a lot of similarities, yes, but other things can be impacted a lot more so than others. I gotcha. I gotcha. And how old is Ford now? Ford is turning four on June 30th. Oh, well, by the time this comes out, certainly it'll be a very, we all wish Ford a very, very happy birthday. And how is he doing today? Thank you. He's doing great. You know, he gets to hang out with his favorite person, his grandma right now. So it's like the best day of his life. Excellent. So with all of that being said, you decided that you wanted to do a podcast called Once Upon a Gene. And tell us a little bit about what led from where you were as a mother to deciding that, you know, you wanted to go out there and put out this content. You know, I think when you're waiting for this child to be born, it's somewhat of a dreamy and polished expectation of what it's going to be like to be a parent and to have a kid. You think about who your child might become and what they're going to do and what milestones you're going to hit together as a family. And it's like this beautiful and adventurous thought stream that comes crashing down and sort of lights on fire right in front of you when it's not what you expected. So that was really, that was really something that I can't fully articulate in how it felt and like what you go through when you have all of this fear about what's going on with your child and what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, there's a lot of fear involved. And I personally, I felt so isolated, like almost instantly. I had so many friends who had kids within just a couple of months of Ford watching the gaps that were happening and how wide they were with the development. It really took me down for a little while. Oh, I'm sure. I, I can't even begin to imagine what that is like when, like you said, you build up these expectations and then to have friends and, you know, you anticipate the play dates and the doing this together and the doing that together. And I'm sure not because of any sort of nefarious reasons or, or callousness or whatever, but it's just harder when there is such a developmental gap between children for them to spend time with each other. 
for a lot of different reasons, not just for this. So I can't even imagine, though, how hard that must have been for you as parents to deal with that. Yeah, it just became impossible to relate. You know, things that they were talking about their kids not doing or doing was just so beyond what I was dealing with that it started to just kind of make me upset and angry and a little jealous, to be honest. And I distanced myself from a lot of those situations because they weren't really making me feel good and they weren't helping me get through my day to day. And so I turned to things, you know, I turned to blogs that I could find. I turned to books I would order online with keywords. I would search Facebook groups. I found Facebook groups. And then I started listening to podcasts and I found a handful of podcasts that were talking about what I wanted to talk about. You know, I started listening to scientific genetic podcasts that were like super over my head to personal stories. And listening to these podcasts became a lifeline for me. And it was kind of the first step that helped me realize that I wasn't alone and that there were in fact people like me. It's tough stuff to deal with, and you can't really express it to your friends and your family who don't understand, because even you don't understand. I know for me, I wasn't really exposed in any way to disability and rare disease, actually at all. I had no idea. If anything, I thought, oh, that's so sad. I feel sorry for them. I didn't know anything. And to listen to these people talk about their lives and the grief in it and the joy in it, it gave me some foundation and helped me realize that finding others like me was going to make me succeed as a mom. And it really, truly was a lifeline. And I knew I just needed more of the content once it was out. I mean, I'd go for walks for hours with my son and I would listen. And I would listen over and over until I just needed more content. So I wanted to be a part of bringing some of that out and helping people to share their stories. And I wanted to learn from them myself. So in the long answer, that's kind of how I got to the point of where I wanted to start my podcast. I usually ask folks about, you know, why a podcast versus some other things. And there's a you know, pretty good canned response that a lot of people give. But I think anybody listening to this can hear in your voice right now why the podcast was the right route for you. Right now, you telling us about your story, I can just... There's something in your voice that we can all hear right now that, especially parents, I mean, I'm sure it's just breaking every parent's heart to hear this right now, the way it's, I'm clearly feeling it as well. And I think that's just some of the beauty of this medium that, yes, they, they can be the same words printed or on video, but like to hear you talk about this and to hear just the, the raw and real emotion of it is just, it's such a beautiful thing. And it's such a, I think it makes what you're trying to do so much more important. I'm looking at your feed right now and you have a, a whole bunch of episodes and you seem to have these like different cover arts for the episodes, not just that it's the different faces of the people that are doing it, but it almost seems like each episode has a different type of theme. If it's the orange background or the blue background, like, is there different types of episodes that you do that you focus on, whether it's just experts or other parents or, or something like that? No, I don't necessarily have a streamlined, organized way of presenting each episode necessarily. I kind of put it out there that I want to talk to you, whether you're a professional advocate or maybe you're an attorney, maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're a mom, maybe you're a dad, maybe you're a sibling. I kind of just cast a wide net 
because I want to talk to all of these types of people because that is my network now. I don't necessarily try to focus on one particular storyline or topic because all of this is so influential to parents like me and we're constantly researching this and researching that that I want to talk to anyone who wants to talk to me. I think that's just beautiful beautiful way of putting it. So what has been the impact of having this show? I mean clearly for you you've been able to create the content that is so important to you but what about others. I'm sure you've heard from listeners from others in your community who you've shared this with. You know, what have they said about the content that you're putting out there? You know, I think something that surprised me the most was hearing from people who also didn't have any connection to disability and rare disease. Hearing from people on the outside, when I was about to start my podcast, people told me to find my niche and focus on this because nobody else is going to care that you're talking about rare disease and disability other than people who are living it. And right away, that wasn't true. I had so many people email me and talk to me and tell me how much they learned from listening to whatever episode or whatever thing I said, even if it was small, like, you know, some sort of my sister the other day called me and said, Effie, I saw a man in the grocery store and he had this wheelchair that was like hydraulic and I never would have looked at him more than five and a half seconds. I never would have said anything to him. And because of your podcast, I went up to him and I was like, hey, that's an awesome chair. My nephew has a chair sort of like this. She's like, Effie, it felt so good to go say hi to someone I would have normally been afraid to talk to. So yeah, I think the best part for me is actually hearing from people who aren't connected and seeing how this has opened their eyes too and has made them want to be a little more compassionate or empathetic or help, you know, just their own personal environment be more accessible to someone who uses crutches or is in a wheelchair or whatever it may be. It it just kind of takes down the blinders a little bit for people because I'm not just talking to rare disease people and disabled people. I'm also a person who doesn't have any of those things. So I just think that widening this network and getting disability as a diversity in a lot of people's eyes is really important because I don't remember it really being there for me. It's overwhelming now how much it is. And it's crazy that we don't talk about it and we don't know about it. It really warms my heart when other people are listening and putting it out there in their small way, whatever it may be in their daily lives, to help people like my son be able to thrive in a world that isn't necessarily built for him. I think what's more incredible, and, and there's always going to be good people who are going to see someone like your son, your family, and, and want to help out, but I think it's so beautiful, the understanding the bridge. It's not always the special treatment for folks with disability or special circumstances. That's important because it, it is, don't get me wrong, but it's the equal treatment. And for your sister to just approach that man and just strike up a conversation like he was anybody else to say, oh, hey, so-and-so, something I noticed about you that I can relate to and just have that really human interaction, I think is so important. And yeah. that's such a great, great thing to come from this journey that you're going on. I, I love that so much. 
Me too. I mean, it's made me braver in the same way. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have felt like intruding on their space. And what if I made them feel awkward? And is it even appropriate? I think you can scan your environment and maybe feel that out. But even so, there are just things now that I do that I would have never done before that are just human and make people feel included. I just think it's so important that we talk about it as parents of kids with rare disease and disability and make it more normalized because there's so many of us living this life and it's like they've been behind this curtain and we don't really ask questions. We don't stare and we don't do anything because we think that's the right thing to do and it's not. Yeah. I think your point of we need to just humanize everything and not create a bubble around it would be a much better place. So with this particular podcast, you have a little bit of support and, you know, we ask everybody about a charity that they want for us to donate to. In your case, it's CTNNB1 and we'll have a link to it, ctnnb1.org. We'll have a link to their website. We'll also have a link directly for you to donate to this organization here in the show notes for the show. But I was fascinated by the fact that in the questionnaire, you said it's not your 501c3, but then I, I did a little bit of looking around. I was like, but you've got their email for your show and you've got, you know, I could see there was a name in there. I was like, that looks like her last name. And so I'm curious a little bit about like your relationship to CTNNB1, what they do. Give us the grand pitch for why this is such a, a great organization that you have the pleasure of partnering with in essence. Going back to rare disease, when Ford was diagnosed, he was one in 30 in the world. Wow. He's currently one in under 200 now, so it's growing. So there isn't anything out there. You're diagnosed with something that doctors just discovered or just learned about or maybe are just now deciding to even study a little bit, and there's nothing there for you. You don't fit into any of the boxes that you have to fit in for medical diagnosing. Nobody's heard of what you have, so you have to go into the doctor's office and explain to them what your kid has. And... People like Tony Rose, who's a father of one of the kids with CTNNB1, well, he was one of the first whose child was diagnosed, and there wasn't anything there. You Google it, and that's it. There's nothing there. There's maybe some weird scientific paper that someone wrote a few years ago that means nothing to you yet because you don't know the language, and that's it. You're just told, yeah, this is what your child has. We don't really know much about it, but go get some therapy and have a nice life. And these things, these rare disease communities have to start, a lot of them have to start from nothing. They have to start from a parent turning over every single rock and not taking no for an answer. He's such a busy person and he's a parent and he's a husband. And on his whatever time he found, he created this. He created this website for parents who were newly diagnosed to at least find someone to go to who had this diagnosis because not even the doctors gave you that information when you get the diagnosis. So Tony created this little space on the internet that was like, hey, I'm here and we're a thing. So join our club. You know, he started a Facebook group and parents just create these 501s from nothing because that's how we get on the map for national organizations for rare disease. It's how we can get funding for research. It's how we can spread awareness and collect a community. We have to do it all ourselves. 
because we don't have a fancy box to fit in that has funding. And that's why it's so important to help support these organizations, because it's led up by parents who are caregivers and who have jobs and who aren't doctors, and we're doing all of the things. Along with Tony and several other parents who make up the board, my beautiful mother-in-law, Mariana, took over as board president. She has so much valuable experience and has been a very important part of furthering the CTNNB1 mission. The more recognition that we can get and the more funding that we can get, it opens a lot of doors for us to get under certain umbrellas to get studied with other genetic mutations that are maybe on our same pathway. It opens a lot of different doors and it's really important. Even the smallest donations to 501s like ours can be a dollar. And it's more about the amount of people that donate, more so even than the amount donated. It makes a huge difference. All right. So everybody listening, you're hearing that right now that it's not everybody needs to open up their wallet and put in a thousand dollars, although it'd be nice if you did. But if folks hearing this want to just chip in a dollar just to show that there are more numbers of people who support this, who believe in this kind of cause, it would make a huge difference. Again, that's ctnnb1.org. We'll have a link to their donation page, which is the same thing.org slash donate. And when we got on our call before we started recording here, we were talking a little about this and you said, oh, you know, I'm really just getting started. I'm kind of new to this. The typical podcaster response of, I don't know what I'm doing. I just throw a podcast together, but you're doing great. Let me say that in front of everybody who's listening, first of all. But I'm curious, as someone who didn't come from this traditional media background, who wasn't a content creator necessarily by trade or anything like that, like, what were some of those challenges that you had in the beginning of creating this particular project? And, and what did you do to, to get past those and keep moving along? First, thank you for saying that, Matthew. I really appreciate it especially from someone who's such a professional. It means a lot. I think my biggest hurdle was I was trying to figure out how to edit my own episodes. And that was a real struggle. And mostly for time, like I just didn't have the extra time. I had no idea what I was doing. Anything I was learning, I was YouTubing or, you know, reading articles. After a year of like, I'm going to get my podcast out. My date will be in three months. Oh, it's three months longer. It's three months longer. I just decided to find someone to help me. So I found a podcast group and I just asked in there. I asked for someone who was cool and fun and had some sort of connection to disability. And I got so many answers and one person in particular, just I just knew it was her. And she's been editing my podcast so beautifully since. And I felt so much less stressed and decided that I didn't need to do that part. You see a lot of pressure in podcasts of, you need to do all of it yourself. I would never let anyone do it. And that is not true. I felt so empowered when I gave over the <laughs> editing to Erica. And I just, I felt more motivated to be able to get content out there. So the long answer is the technical stuff. It's hard. No doubt it is hard. And is Erica just donating her time to do this for you? Nope. Nope. She has a business. She's out of Ohio with her wife, Devana. They own Mod Pod Studios and they're amazing. I hired them. We will put a link to their information then as well here in the link and uh, see if we can help them out as well. They're amazing. Erica does my editing and Devana, her wife, does all my show notes and things like that. And I highly recommend hiring someone if that's where you're stuck because we all have different gifts. 
And along with my amazing podcast editors, my uncle Jeff made my beautiful intro music for my podcast and all of the creative stuff uh, surrounding my brand, my logo, and the beautiful art for my episode post is all credited to my friend London and her husband Jonathan at Ball of the Above. I've had a lot of amazing people on board from the beginning, and I couldn't have done it without them. Well, I think you certainly have a gift for connecting people, for sharing, for storytelling, and just for opening up and being vulnerable. I can hear it in your voice that even telling us about this has been a little hard at times, but I am so grateful that you did. This is probably one of the better episodes of cause pods that I, I can remember in a really, really, really long time. And full disclosure to everybody, we had scheduled to do this one a while ago. And then of course there was this little shelter in place thing that happened all across the country <laughs> and scheduling was crazy. And I had to push this back and we had a couple little technical delays, but everything that happened, all of the hurdles, it was so worth it for this conversation. Thank for you. the chance to meet you, to hear your story, to hear the genuine passion and authenticity in your voice. And I hope there is more that we can do to help you out, to help out the show, to help out ctnnb1.org, and even to help Erica and her partner at Mod Pod Studios out for you know helping to put out such a beautiful product into the world. Again, everyone, links to the show, Once Upon a Gene, uh, we'll be in the show notes. We'll have the Apple, Google, Spotify links right there. We'll put some links up to Effie's and the show's social media so that you can follow along and see what's going on with Ford and the rest of the family. And we'll have links to CTNNB1, of course, so you can learn more about them. Donate, like Effie was saying earlier, it would be great to get higher number, even if we're talking minimal donations, just to show more people are supporting and Effie, I just want to say it was an honor to hear your story here on CauseBots. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matthew. I really appreciate you wanting to talk to me. And mostly, thank you for using this platform for spreading positive news and spreading awareness for things like this and like other things that you do. I think it's so cool. This is your passion project. And putting light things out into the world is just really important. And I think it's so cool that you're doing this. So thanks for talking to me today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a Cause Pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.